0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you're here today because I'm convinced that as you hear the Word of God and as it goes into your heart as a seed sown, I'm convinced it's going to bring forth the 100-fold return of a life that you enjoy of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, a very blessed and contented life. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles and go to the first book in the Bible, which is the book of Genesis. We're going to go to chapter 8, and I want to talk just for a moment as we're going to bring in the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse. I want to mention to you about the subject of dream seeds. Praise God. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22 tells us, While the earth remains... And let me just insert that despite many of the movies that are out there, science fiction movies or action adventure movies, many of which I never watched today because they're all so full of violence and profanity, but they seem to have a fascination at the end of the movie. They have to blow up the planet. (laughs) Either they're going to blow up a city blow up a bridge, blow up something, but they like to blow everything up. And some of them even like to endeavor to blow up the planet earth. But it says in Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse four, that the earth abides forever. So the earth is not going anywhere while the earth remains. Okay. So here are laws that are going to function throughout eternity while the earth remains seed time and harvest cold and heat winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. These laws, which is what they are, they are natural laws. They also have spiritual parallels. They're never going to go into some kind of a state where they, they're suspended or they don't work anymore. My friends are going to work every day, all day long, all night long, whoo, praise God for all of eternity Now notice here that it says seed time and harvest shall not cease seed time and harvest shall not cease. I would like to tell you today that the dreams that you have and particularly the one dream that has really captured your imagination. It's a dream that God has placed within your heart. Something that you want to see come to pass. Nothing is out of reach of a seed when that seed is sown and then multiplied and you enjoy your multiplied harvest. Nothing is out of reach of a seed. So it's very important that we sow what I would call, from time to time, sow what I would call dream seeds. Praise God. You have a dream, you can't reach it in the natural. Ah, but you could reach it by sowing seed because God can take the seed and multiply it and bring that thing into your life. And I would even encourage you to name your dream seed. And I think there used to be some conversation about 15 years back, maybe about 20 years ago in the body of Christ where some were not quite sure about naming a seed. But the truth is, my friends, we name all kinds of seeds all all of the time. And if you go to the grocery store, you, you don't even have to go to the grocery store. You can go to a farmer's market. You can go to Lowe's. You can a home improvement store. You can go to Home Depot. And you're going to see the lawn garden area. And they have these displays during spring and summer. Uh, and, of course, also in the fall when they go on clearance sale of all the seed packets. And you can buy fruit seeds. Vegetable seeds, you can buy cantaloupe seeds, bell pepper seeds, uh, cherry tree seeds, and on and on and on it goes. But my friends, those seed packets are are seeds that are named. Why? So that you can know what you're sowing for and you can anticipate the harvest that you desire by sowing a specific seed for a specific harvest. So we name seed all the time. So don't let that throw you, my friends. Of course we do. And the truth of the matter is, if we dig into it deeper, you and I, we're all here because of a seed. The seed of your father, the seed of my father, uh, connecting in my mother's womb, producing me. And here I am. And there you are. And what do we do with this outcome of a seed? We named it. (laughs) They named me Stephen. Praise God. They gave you your name. So everything is named. It all is originating from seed form. Mm -mm -mm. Praise God. And so we need to work these timeless principles. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can you imagine imagine a person that you go up and, and you talk to them and they tell you all about their dream? how they're believing God for this certain thing. And you ask them, well, that's wonderful. God can do it for you. Have you sown a seed for your dream? And they look at you like you're crazy. But the whole time, the truth is that they're crazy. Because what kind of, look, you don't even have to be a farmer doing this for a full-time living. But what kind of a person, even if you're a normal person, that uh, has maybe like a t- traditional eight to five type job, And maybe you even work in an office all day. You're not even an outdoors person, but yet you want your own, uh, tomatoes. And so you go to the store and you get the little tomato seeds and you raise them in the kitchenette of your home. Praise God. Well, my friends, uh, a person could say, well, uh, I'm, I'm believing God for, uh, tomatoes. Well, you would say, well, did you plant tomato seeds? Uh, If they say no, well then you know you're talking to somebody that probably has never read Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. But my friends, you can sow dream seeds and God can touch that seed, multiply it, turn it into a harvest. And what was out of reach for you is never out of reach for God. When you work with him on that seed time and harvest format that he has established. Now, let me say that, the tithe, which is 10% of all of your increase, the tithe is holy. It already belongs to God. So your tithe is not a seed. The tithe is simply a tithe and it belongs to the Lord. And we honor the Lord with the tithe, but the seed, the, the offering is what you sow above the tithe. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Somebody's getting delivered from tight fistedness. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> they think they're uh, a financial champion of giving when they tithe, but the tithe is just the elementary beginning. It's elementary faith, praise God. And you can go on from there. And you know, the tithe is all the Lord asks for, unless there are also special occasions when the Holy Spirit can even move upon your heart, can even at times instruct you to sow a seed. I remember a friend of mine that I was trying to minister to about about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I was trying to minister to him about uh, the Lord's principles and the Lord's kingdom system. And he was like a rebel. He loved the Lord. He'd gotten filled with the Holy Spirit, but he still had a rebel edge to him. So it was almost like anything that was established truth within the church. He would maybe challenge it or not really go for it. And uh, so he was always like that, but I would always try to encourage him and give him scripture to convince him, not opinions or theories, but give him chapter and verse. <laughs> and so um, he told me one time, and this is after I encouraged him to obey the Lord in these principles. He said one time he was in a meeting and there was a minister and the minister did something that he said he had never done before, but the minister said, there are some here in this in this meeting, the Holy Spirit is impressive upon your heart to sow a thousand dollar seed. And by the way, I'm not trying to raise an offering today. Okay. That's, that's not the purpose I'm teaching so that when the Holy spirit moves on your heart, you, you have foundation. Okay. So he said that he thought that was silly, but at the same time, he had a financial need. He was a businessman, but he was having some setbacks And this minister said, I believe there's many in here right now. The Holy spirit is really speaking to you to sow a $1,000 seed. And he said, I've never said this before. I've never done this before, but this is what I'm getting from the Holy spirit. And if you'll do this, God will do a a financial recovery in your life. He'll really give you a breakthrough where you need it. And of all things that, that friend of mine, he said, he said, Stephen, I did it. He said, I sowed a thousand dollars. And he said, God, blessed me and pulled me out of a, uh, a business sticky situation, a mess really financially that I had gotten in. And he said, I've recovered now. And I said, well, that's, that's wonderful. So I'm just saying my friends that the tithe belongs to the Lord and the harvest, excuse me, the, the, the offerings that we give in t- anticipation of the harvest Those are just things we sow. We give as love offerings, praise God. But you can sow dream seeds as love offerings and say, God, Lord, you know how much money I make? This is like my annual income or whatever, you know, you could run that out on the paper and uh, calculate those numbers, but maybe there's something beyond that. And it would take God to reach it and bring it into your life. That's why you can sow seed because nothing is out of reach for a seed. So my friends, not only does the tithe belong to the Lord and that's what we need to do, but we need to be people that have generous hearts and uh, we need to look for those golden opportunities when the Holy Spirit makes it available and that anointing is there to sow into good opportunities so that we can sow seed and reap wonderful harvest. Praise God. I'm honored to be able to teach the Word of God and also to teach the principles of giving, of tithing, because. It allows many people that watch this program, it allows them the opportunity to sow. It gives them the privilege to sow so that they can have a blessed harvest. Woo. Praise God. So my friends always have a giving spirit and remember that God's word is a seed. It is word in a, it is seed in a word format. And when you take it, And you receive it into the soil of your heart. It is producing. It is producing the life that God has intended for you to live. So there's a lot of people out there that don't understand kingdom principles. They laugh at things like this. But you know what? They may laugh. But for those that apply it, it keeps on working. It keeps on working irrespective of what's going on in the economy and this, this covenant based upon tithing and see time of harvest, it'll keep on working. It doesn't matter what the weather's going to do because you're going to always have different types of weather. You're going to have winter and summer. You're going to have uh, cold and heat and, and these various changes. You'll even have day and night, my friends, but you tie in to God's principles and you'll become established. And of course, the tithe brings a divine protection into your life where the devourer is rebuked and there is a supernatural spiritual force shield that's put around you a protection and blessing as well as the flow of the rain of ideas touching your mind with creative wealth generating ideas praise the Lord. So my friends, I just wanted to say today, look for opportunity to sow dream seeds for me. It's not just a one-time event for me and my wife. We, we just, yes, we always give the Lord the tithe, but we look for those special opportunities to sow. Why? Because we're believing God for great things. And I know you are too, and God's going to do it for you. Let me pray for you right now. Heavenly father, as your people walk in the principles of your word, which will always be functioning just as the earth is remaining. It's going to be here. We thank you, Father God, for the proper understanding of seed time and harvest, and that it is never, ever going to cease. This principle will never grow old and be put on a shelf. Father God, it is timeless, and we operate by your principles. Now, Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to sow even dream seeds. We give you praise because you want us to walk In the fullness of the promised inheritance that you have made available for all of us. We give you praise. We thank you, Father God, that the tithe secures, anchors the covenant. And that seed time and harvest, Father God, allows you to become actively involved in fulfilling the promises that have been spoken over our lives. Now, Father, bless your people. I thank you. That your Holy Spirit leads them and guides them and shows them the proper soil to sow dream seeds in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, for those of you that are bringing the tithe and the offering into the storehouse of the Lord, if you prefer to mail it in, you can send it to Stephen Brooks International, PO Box 717-717. PO Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, our zip code 28654. Now, if you prefer to bring the tithe and offering in online, you can do so anytime, day or night, from any place in the world. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that says, Give as a Writ Heart. You can click that. You'll see the box where you can bring your tithes in and you also see a couple of projects, various projects that we're focused on here at the ministry. And if you would like to sow into those, one of those, you could sow like a dream seed if you want it to, as you're believing God for your harvest Mm-mm. and name your seed, name your seed, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, bless your people. Bless your people as they sow dream seeds, let them s- receive their dream harvest. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Now let's take our Bibles and we're going to go today to the book of Ephesians chapter four. And I want to discuss that there are two proven paths to victory Two, praise God. And we are going to talk about these two proven paths and you can take either one, or you could take some of both. They're both uh, delicious. praise God. But I want to unveil to you one path that is proven, highly effective. Then I want to show you another one that you must be aware of. We're going to be today in, Mago- excuse me, the book of Ephesians chapter four. We're going to start in verse seven, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, We thank you that your word is a seed. And as we are receiving the seed of your mighty word, we thank you that it is producing the 100 fold return in our lives. We give you praise. Father God, we give you praise. O God, because you are a miracle working God and we are ready to receive a miracle. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, Verse 7, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he, in reference to Christ, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Praise the Lord. Well, there's a couple of ways of looking at this phrase, he led captivity captive. One of the ways to look at this would be that when Christ died on the cross, he went down into the area within the center of the earth where there is a spiritual area where the saints were kept at from Old Testament times. They were kept in a spiritual realm that was known as Abraham's bosom and outside of that area that paradise type holding place area known as Abraham's bosom, there was a chasm. And on the other side of this massive, deep impassable chasm on the other side was the place of torment and torture that we would know as hell. And many theologians believe that when Christ went down into this place of Abraham's bosom, he gathered up all of the old Testament saints and said, come on, I'm getting you out of here. I'm taking you to heaven with me. So in a sense, as he ascended, he took captivity that all all those that were held captive in that temporary holding place. He took them with him to heaven. And that's, that's one view. And I could understand that because when Jesus was on the Mount of transfiguration, he had conversation in the spirit realm with Moses and Elijah And we are told that the conversation centered around the Lord's uh, upcoming death. And what was exactly said, we're not real sure, but I'm sure it was probably something along this line where Moses and Elijah said, you know, um, Jesus, what you're about to do, you're the only one that can get it done. And, and, Jesus, all of our sins have been covered by animal blood from the old Testament, you know, dispensation, but Jesus, you're the only one that can pay that, that, that massive debt off because the sins have been covered, but they're still there. They're just covered. They're atoned for, but they were saying, Jesus, you're almost there. You've got to stick with it. You got to get this done. You're the only one that, that can get us out of this place. So, that is one viewpoint is that when he ascended, he took captivity captive. And on his way up, he released gifts, ministry gifts to men. Now, another view of this would be that when Jesus went down, when he descended upon his death, he took the keys of death and hell, and he took that authority or that ability of the enemy to hold captive not only. Uh, God's people by afflicting them, but also what had been inflicted upon the human race—that ability to capture people and really to enslave the souls of men and women—and so he took that captivity or that that authority to to imprison people through evil authority. He took that, and when he went up, he took all of that authority back. He had it all now. Everything that Adam lost, Jesus has now won back. So he stripped completely all of the power of darkness, all of their authority. And now for the believer, now not those that are lost that are in the world that don't know Christ, but for the believer, Satan now has no authority over the believer. Now, yes, he's still going to endeavor to tempt. He's going to endeavor to uh, do certain things to you know, uh, uh, induce sin, but, but he cannot force somebody to do that so we can resist, which is what we do. And when we resist the devil, he flees from us. Praise the Lord. So I think in some ways there can be some truths from both of these theological viewpoints, but one thing's for sure he had gone down, but He didn't stay there. He ascended. He went up. He led captivity captive. And during that time when he was ascending, he gave gifts to men. Now, he is going to list what those gifts are. They are ministry offices. Verse 9. Now, this he ascended. What does it mean, but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some now, not all in the church are given these ministry gifts, but some are, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So there's five ministry offices. These ministry offices are called ministry gifts. So they are the fivefold ministry gift office. So I think it's important to realize that because if you didn't have the church leadership, if you took away the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, I mean, what are you going to have left? And so, uh, you, you wouldn't have much to, uh, who's going to teach? How, how are we ever going to learn anything? It's, it's like we would be stuck in a perpetual dark ages <laughs> that never ended. But thank God, we have the five ministry offices. Verse 12 tells us what they're for, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So it's to equip saints for the edifying of the body of Christ, okay, so to strengthen and build up God's people, till so there's a time frame till we all come to the unity of the faith. Now, you have some teach that we no longer have the ministry office of the uh, apostle or prophet. That's not true. All five of them are till we all come to the unity of the faith. So, if you don't have those two, you don't have the other three either. If you don't have apostle prophet, then you don't also have teacher, pastor, evangelist. It's, it's either all or none. Praise God. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and so there's going to be unity that's brought by the fivefold ministry and of the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man. Now that that phrase perfect man means somebody that's very mature. That's what the fivefold ministry is for is to bring the saints into maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we no longer be children. So the fivefold ministry brings young believers out of the state of infancy disciples them, trains them, equips them, uh, builds them up, strengthens them, and helps them to walk into maturity. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. So really the fivefold ministry is a is the work of the Lord, the work of the Lord to bring the body into maturity, where we see the image of Christ within God's people, that mature image of Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that is very, very exciting. Now the five ministry offices of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are all active and functioning in the church today. All around the world. Now there was a season where uh, some of the ministry offices were very much belittled, or in some ways, uh, you could almost call it they were like a book put on the shelf and not used for a long time. But now all five are restored and really functioning strong in the church. You know, it wasn't until the the 70s, mainly going into the early 70s, where we had a teaching movement here in the Western world, uh, in the Western church, and it swept all around the world, and it really began to bring forth the reality that the teaching office is vital within the body of Christ, because before that, we had a lot of uh, you know, evangelistic ministry and things like that, and who, who would have ever thought that people would sit and listen to somebody just teach the Word, Wow, my friends today, uh, there's, you know, teaching digital downloads, there's teaching CDs, there's teaching books, and there's materials and materials. Why? To teach, teach, teach God's people. And there was what we would call a teaching movement to restore the teaching office back into the church. And much of that would be in a sense uh, through the move of the spirit that we would call the word of faith movement where when that was at its height, I mean, it was just teaching, 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 but it was vibrant, revelatory teaching. And of course we still operate in those truths today, but thank God we have all five ministry offices functioning in miracles and signs and wonders. Praise the Lord. Now, let us also be mindful that Jesus stood in all five ministry offices as a Singular individual. He still operated as the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, etc. So he could wear multiple hats all at the same time. And of course, Jesus was highly anointed in these ministry offices. And today, Jesus, as the head of the church, is the one who still dispenses ministry gifts. And he chooses some to be an apostle, chooses some to be a prophet and a uh, teacher or pastor, whatever the case might be. That's the Lord's sovereign choosing. Praise the Lord. Now I want you to see something very interesting in Luke chapter five. Please turn there with me. Luke chapter five. Praise the Lord. And I'm talking about two proven paths to victory. And I want to share the first path to victory. With you that can be attained through the blessing of the fivefold ministry office. Of these ministry gifts that Christ has given to the church, you can receive victory through God's anointed ministers. Praise the Lord. Now, Luke chapter 5, and let's go to verse 17. Praise God. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that this would be Jesus, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. So you have basically the foremost Torah teachers on the face of the earth here in this meeting with Jesus and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. And all of those men that were there that had certain conditions or certain issues, uh, because sometimes people just have certain things they need a healing for, that power was there to heal them all, but only one person got healed, and that, my friends, was a paralyzed man. Now, In the meetings of the Lord Jesus Christ so often anybody that was sick was healed and in other cases so often anybody that was demon-possessed in the Lord's meetings you could get delivered from that demonic oppression and let me just share that with you from a couple of verses and then I'm going to loop back to what I just read to you but I would first like to share Matthew chapter 8 verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all, all, all who were sick. Matthew 14, verse 14, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick Matthew 19, verse two, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Matthew 21, verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Matthew chapter 12, verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Now, by looking at these verses, You would think that in every single meeting, every single person was healed all the time. And in these particular meetings, they were. In these particular meetings, they were. Praise God. Here's another one Mark chapter 6, verse 56. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him were made whole, just touch that garment, boom, power flowing out of it, boom, just like that, totally healed. Wow. No doctor's bills. Don't have to pay for the uh, doctor or anything like that. Mark chapter three, verse 10, for he healed many so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. One more, Luke chapter four, verse forty-four. Uh, Assume uh, verse forty, Luke four forty. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Wow, wow. Now, let's dig deeper. I'm talking about there are two paths to victory. The first path is the path of working with the fivefold ministry offices that Christ has established within the church. Now again, verse 17, it tells us that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Everybody in that meeting could have got, could have got healed, could have connected with that power, but only one person did. That was the paralyzed man. He got healed. Why did the others not get healed? Well, they were stubborn. They were rebellious. They did not receive the ministry of Jesus. They felt, the religious leaders felt threatened by him because they not only had a religious system that they were operating. But there was also a, a lot of political structure. That's probably an understatement. Uh, but especially when the, when the Romans are telling you who the high priest is going to be. And it has nothing to do uh, anymore with the, you know, with the descent from Aaron. It's now a political position that could be bought, paid for, or a man just stuck in by a Roman authority. And so you had them look at Jesus, and he's now a threat to their political system, which means it's also a threat to their finances. And so it doesn't matter if he's telling the truth, they are not going to receive him nor his teaching. And because of that, neither did they receive the healing anointing, the miracle working power that was upon his life. Wow. So there was a disconnect where even Christ himself, the great healer could not get that, Healing anointing over to them because they wouldn't take it. They wouldn't receive it. By the way, here we see that only one man was healed, the paralyzed man. But then again, also in John chapter 5, verse 2, when we have the story of the pool of Bethesda, only one person got healed there. And remember, remember the pool had hundreds of sick people, if not, if not potentially Maybe even a couple of thousand people and they were all sick. There were mult. The scripture says there were multitudes of sick. How many is a multitude? Not 20 or 30. There were sick people everywhere. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, if, uh, if Jesus were here today, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do miracles because when he came, he proved then that he was God's son by doing miracles. That's why today there's no longer any healing. Uh, well, that can't be a good argument. That doesn't even make any sense because if Jesus proved that he was God by healing people, well then how come he didn't just heal every single person there at the pool of Bethesda? Why did he just go into the local hospital and just heal them all and say, see there, I'm the son of God that proves it. Now that that's been proved. Now there's no longer any more need for divine healing. No, that's, that doesn't make any sense. Does it? No. The reason only one person got healed at the pool of Bethesda is because that is the only person that was on the Holy Spirit's agenda to be healed that day in the eyes of God. And that one person got it. Praise God. What about all the others? That's between them and the Lord. But the Lord went there to heal one person, found him, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, got him healed. Praise God. So that's the thing with the ministry office. You can go into a meeting. Maybe even with Jesus, maybe with Jesus, and you could, have, you could have a need, but you know what? On that day, only one person got it. And on another day, only one person got it. Well, Pastor Stephen, I thought everybody got it all the time. Obviously not. Obviously not. We see that already here in a couple of examples, but what about probably the classic example of Mark chapter 6, verse 5? Let's take a look at that just for a moment. Mark chapter 6, verse 5. It says concerning Jesus. Now he, that would be Jesus, could do no mighty work there. his hometown, Nazareth. Now notice it doesn't say he wouldn't do any mighty work there. It doesn't say that. It says he could do no mighty work there. Well, now hold on, Pastor Stephen. Jesus is God. He could do whatever he wants. No, he can't. No, he can't. He couldn't do any mighty work there. If he could have, he would have, but he could not. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Just small stuff, a little back pain, maybe somebody, a little arthritis in their elbow or ankle, but nothing major, no blind eyes opening, no, no big stuff, nothing like that going on at all. And he marveled because of their unbelief. That's why because of their unbelief, their disrespect towards him and his ministry. And it just shut the anointing off, shut the anointing off. It is because of their unbelief. And it cut that flow of God's mighty power from coming into their lives. Praise the Lord. So while Jesus, the head of, of the ministry, the head of the church, while he does work through his ministers and even he works himself, You have to understand that in certain certain situations, even the minister can be limited by a person's unbelief. The minister can be limited by the environment or the atmosphere. Now the thing with Jesus is that he was filled with the spirit without measure. So he's loaded. I mean, doesn't matter if you need something that a prophet has, he's got that. Doesn't matter if you need something that a teacher has, he's got that. He's got it all. He, he's, a, he's highly anointed. <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't matter if you need a prophecy, he can do that. Doesn't matter if you're blind, he can do that. Doesn't matter if you, gotta, if you, if you have leprosy and you've got fingers missing. He can take care of all of that. He, he is super anointed without measure. Praise God. And potentially, potentially, a servant of the Lord can also come into that place of that mighty empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Yes, they can, but it is very difficult to maintain that. It is very difficult to hold that. And you also, you also sometimes have other factors that are coming involved that are in play in creating a faith charged atmosphere like that. You have to understand when Jesus is in these meetings and everybody's getting healed. That, in a sense, is almost like what we would call a modern day, full-blown, all-out revival. And if you've ever been in a meeting like that, boom, faith just goes to the roof. There's a corporate faith that just explodes, and suddenly, nothing's impossible with God. And when that's rolling, and you're rolling with it, I mean, it's, it's literally like you've got one foot on the earth and one foot in heaven. And miracles are happening. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's on. It's, it's awesome. Praise God. But my friends, there are various dynamics that are involved because you can have that atmosphere, but they didn't want that atmosphere in Nazareth. And even though Jesus comes full of power, mightily anointed of the spirit, he goes back to minister in his hometown. And they're like, oh, man, we know who you are. You're the carpenter's son. We knew your dad. We know your mom. I mean, hey, I mean, we've heard reports about you and stuff like that. But then they just they ended up even getting offended at him, offended at him. And couldn't do much there. And if there was any place probably that he would like to really release the blessing, release the power, it would have been there because he loved those people. But you know what? It didn't happen. So with the fivefold ministry, you have different variables that are involved that can, it can affect the way that the outcome will be. Now, Jesus never makes a mistake. He gave the fivefold ministry office to the church, and we read about all the purposes, all the reasons uh, for the five ministry offices: to build up, to equip, to bring into maturity, and so forth, to bring into the fullness of the stature of Christ, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the church was never going to get there without them. If you think you can get there, uh, it's it's you're going to need you're going to need the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. By the way, God never designed you to live on just one of them. Well, my pastor, I don't need anything but my pastor. He's all I need. Mm, You're going to need more than just pastoral anointing. And while, yes, you thank God for the shepherd that the Lord has put in your life, you're going to need a a prophetic anointing. Anointing to touch your life sometime. You're going to need to be touched sometime with some apostolic power. Praise God. You're going to need the ministry office of the teacher to come in and bring some fresh revelatory teaching. That's what you need. You need that exposure, praise God, to be developed fully. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he gave five ministry offices to the church for our maturing into the fullness of his image. Praise God. But my friends, I want to say also that even as effective. As the fivefold ministry office is, there are variables that are in play when it comes to receiving what God wants you to receive. Let me give you another example. I'm going somewhere with this. Let's talk just for a moment about the 1950s healing revival that took place here in America. And you had about, a, it, it grew to about 120 ministers, all Pentecostal all spirit field. This was before the charismatic outpouring that began to happen in the late sixties, early seventies. So this was all what we would call full gospel Pentecostal moving of the spirit where you had some of the leaders like Oral Roberts. And then you had, um, uh, you know, you had William Branham really standing at the forefront of the prophets ministry, also operating in gifts of healing and so forth. And you had mighty miracles going on. I mean, if you got in those meetings, where that power of God was really strong. And it is a move. It is a move certified and authenticated by God in heaven to the earth. And it is going. And you got in some of those meetings and they're running full power and you're sick. Yeah, you're in the right place. You are in the right place to get a miracle. (laughs) Why? Because it's, it's there. I mean, healing's there. And I remember Kenneth Hagin said that he knew a couple that were just brand new in ministry Didn't really know anything about ministry. They were just husband and wife. They're brand new in ministry, and they went to a meeting. And there was a person that they prayed for during the heat during the height the healing revival. And they prayed for a person that was totally blind. And I'm not talking about a person that had you know like impaired vision where he could still see a little bit. No, blind from birth. The man was completely blind. And this couple, having never prayed for anybody sick or anything like that before prayed for him in the name of Jesus, and boom, the man's eyes popped open. He could see perfectly, and the blind man saw with perfect vision, and he, he enjoyed his eyesight for the rest of his life. And it shocked the couple. But it's like Kenneth Hagin said, he said it was like healing was in the air. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's here. I mean, if you're sick and you get healed, you get into those meetings with those servants of God, those ministers are ministering in that anointing. Yeah, most likely you're going to get healed. You're going to get healed. Now, not always, because there were, as always, different variables that might be involved where, you know, it might may not have been your night, so to speak, or maybe your faith wasn't quite developed, or maybe the minister had an off night, maybe stayed up late the night before didn't get enough sleep. And if you're tired or certain things are going on, that can pull you out of the anointing. So you've got all this stuff that you've got that you're working with, but you keep on going because God's anointed. God has ordained that platform of ministers ministering to his people and many multitudes are touched and healed and blessed through these God ordained gifts. Let's talk about one here in the Bible through the apostle Peter acts chapter five verse 12. I'm talking about two proven paths to victory. We're talking about the first path right now. Which is receiving from and working with God's fivefold ministry office gifts. Whoo! Praise God. Now, watch this. Verse 12 And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them. Well, I'd imagine so after Ananias and Sapphira had dropped dead in the meeting, that kind of seems to wake people up a little bit, but the people esteemed them highly. Verse 14, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. Here we go. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. What's going on here? A full-blown Pentecostal outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But I want to ask you a question. While Peter, an apostle, one of the original 12, one of the apostles of the Lamb, and there will only be 12 of those, never any more than that. There will be other apostles, of course. But no more apostles of the, of the Lamb as the original 12, 12 were. Now, while Peter here is operating under an anointing that is so strong that if you're sick, now watch this, if you're sick, if you just get close enough to him while you're laying on your bed, close enough just for his shadow to go past you, you're totally healed. Is that not a wild anointing? Is that not a powerful anointing? (laughs) He's walking in a place of being just saturated with the Holy Spirit. Saturated with the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter what your sickness is. Even if today, modern day AIDS or cancer or something like that, or whatever it was, or lupus or heart disease, if you're there and you're crying out to God, you're crying out to God, you've repented of your sins, and you're crying out to God, and that shadow passed by you, you got up healed. And you had faith? Yeah, you got feel But see, this is revival outpouring. This is mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, I'm speaking from being a student of church history. Sometimes, usually, when you have these mighty outpourings like this, guess what comes next? Massive persecution. Intense persecution against the body of Christ. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And that's exactly what happened. Intense persecution is going to come, and that's going to scatter the Jewish Christians all over the Gentile world, and the gospel is going to begin to go international. Praise God. Which was God's intent. Now, I want to ask you a question. Here we see Peter moving in mighty power. I mean, you get next to that shadow, woo, man, you're healed. He's walking in mighty power. But if you were sick, let's say five years later, you're sick and you needed, you needed a miracle. You needed healing. Could you still go to Peter and say, Peter, I'm over here. I'm in my wheelchair. Peter, I've heard about you years back. I heard about you in that Jerusalem revival meeting. Peter, just walk over here. You don't have to, you put your hands on me. Just get close enough for your shadow to get me. Come on, Peter, walk over here. Would that anointing? still be riding at that high level of power? I don't know. I don't know. My understanding is that when that anointing is like that, it takes, it takes everything for a minister to walk in that walk and maintain that. It's very, very demanding. It's almost like an Olympic athlete, gold level. Call it. It's very demanding challenging to sustain that level why it's it's so demanding it takes everything to get there (laughs) takes total complete surrender of your life and then when you're in that zone to really walk in that and just stay in it it takes phenomenal focus and a very very uh, dedicated life to Christ I mean matter matter of fact if if we were to meet up with Peter let's say some years later and you really need it that healing touch you needed that shadow to pass your way. Well, what if you caught him at the wrong time? What if you caught him over in, uh, in Antioch after he had a little run-in with Paul, and Paul stood up in front of everybody there at the Antioch church and said, Peter, you're playing the hypocrite. Peter, we know who you are. The right, you were the right-hand servant of Jesus, his choice apostle. But Peter, you're acting like an absolute, complete hypocrite. And he He had to address the issue was so the hypocrisy was so bad. It even had swept Barnabas into this silly deception. So Paul had to stand up and correct Peter. Well, let's say Peter's walking out of that meetings. Probably he probably didn't want to talk to anybody. Probably just wants to go somewhere and sit down and go, Oh God. (laughs) And what if you were in your wheelchair? Hey, Peter, Hey, over here, Peter, Uh, come over here and put your hands on me. I would just suggest not much is going to happen in a time like that. Now do you see there's dynamics involved for for the power to flow. Do you see there's other logistics that are going on that create atmosphere that that create uh, the moving of the spirit with unhindered power. A lot of things have to line up just right. Praise God. And and God So often allows these things to line up. The Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is moving. Boom. And there's an outpouring and God's people are blessed. Many are healed. And this is a proven path to victory. It's in the Bible. It's biblical. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go further. Let's go further. What about today? Right here, right now. Today. Today. Let's say, let's, let's see if we can think of a good example. How about this one? No, that's too hard. (laughs) That's too hard. How about this? Let's go an easier one. Let's take a person. Let's go find a person that is a full grown man, maybe age 35 or 40, who is blind and has been completely blind since the day they were born. There's no hope naturally from a, uh, from a physician's diagnosed, you know, determination that this person's ever going to see. It's medically impossible. I would like to ask you a question concerning a person like this, a blind man. Is there a fivefold ministry gift? Is there an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher in your town or your city that you could take that person to today with a 100% assurance that if that man or that woman lays hands on that blind man, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be driving home a person that can see. I just might let them drive home. (laughs) Is there somebody in your town or your pastor that you could take the blind man to and say, here he is now do your thing man of God. Go do it. (laughs) Well, you might think, well, uh, Pastor Stephen, my 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 pastor don't even believe in that. Okay, so we're going to have to check him or her off the list. Well, Pastor Stephen, our denomination doesn't believe that. They believe that stuff doesn't happen anymore. You're going to have to check that off the list. You might have to expand your radius. Expand your radius. Okay, let's get out of the town, get out of the city. What about in your state? Is there somewhere that you could drive the blind man, put him in a car, and drive him to a meeting? Somewhere in your state where you know if you get him into that meeting, he's going to walk out of that meeting scene. Well, you might be thinking, well, Pastor Stephen, um, maybe, but I certainly couldn't guarantee it. All right. What about in America? Is there somewhere in, in, in America that you could take that blind man and say, look. This is going to be a long drive or I'm going to have to put you on a plane. I'll I'll help you, you know, and stuff like that. But trust me, it'll be worth it because if I can just get you to this one meeting here in America, you're going to be healed. Could you, could you do that? Hmm. Just things to think about. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Look, if that was going on in Jerusalem and he, let's say we get in a time machine. And we could set the time machine to that year, to that very day when Peter's ministering there in Jerusalem. That if we could get that, we could get you and the blind man, get in the time machine, pop out in that year, in that era, and you're there in Jerusalem. And you find out, oh, yeah, Peter's coming. Look, you're getting close to Peter because you know Peter's going to pass by. You know, under that anointing and in a meeting like that, you know, if that shadow goes by, that dude's getting healed. He's going to jump and shout. I can see praise God. Amen. Is there somewhere today? Not only perhaps in America, is there somewhere today on the planet that you could take that man to and know if I can just get him there, he's going to get healed. Hmm. These are things we have to think about. And I want you to think about this. Why you need to know about two paths, not just one path. Now there is one path to victory, which God works so often through the five fold ministry office and millions over the years have been healed. Billions have been saved. What would we do without the office of the evangelist? Praise God. But my friends, there's also another path. And I want to talk about that in just a moment, but remember the path I'm talking to you about is a God ordained path established by Christ in the church. He gave these gifts unto men as he was ascending. Mm -mm. Wait, what if we could get in the time machine and get back to Azusa Street? Yeah, Los Angeles, 312 Azusa Street, when William Seymour was ministering at the height of the Azusa Street revival a revival that ran from 1906 to 1909 where it ran all day long and usually ran all night long where oftentimes you had 1500 people crowded into a little bitty 2400 square foot building that used to be a horse stable. And so they always struggled with the flies that still thought it was a horse stable, even though they had cleaned it up really well. But yet People were coming literally from all over America, all over the world. Why? Why? They knew God's power was in that meeting in unprecedented ways. Now, not unprecedented in church history, but unprecedented from anything they'd seen in a long, long time, if not in entire lifetimes or generations, that could be a good place to take the blind person to problem is we don't have a time machine, do we? But It was in meetings like that where hundreds witnessed the mighty power of the spirit that would just break forth in those meetings, such as the time William Seymour grabbed a man's arm that was a shortened arm only hanging down about four inches. He grabbed that arm and in the name of Jesus, yanked it out to a full length, full size arm. Is there a church today is there a man of God today that you could take a person with a dangling four inch arm to and say, come with me. You're going to get your miracle today. Hmm. What about the time there was a man with one leg in the Azusa street revival and Seymour grabbed the stub and it yanked it out and pulled the whole new leg out in front of everybody under the anointing through the gift of working of miracles and special faith as mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Praise God. Is there some way today, somewhere today, that we can take a man with only one leg who really wants God to do a miracle uh, so that somebody can lay hands on him and give him another leg and have that leg come out? Well, I would say this. I would say this. There are many good ministers that would be happy to pray for it and just go for it, right? <laughs> yeah, sure, we'll pray. We're going to trust God. We're going to trust God and we'll just, we're going to pray. We're going to go for it. I can go for it. I pray for all kinds of things. Amen. The miracle doesn't always happen then. That's why I always going to go for it because I've seen the miracle happen the next morning where it manifests. The anointing goes in and happens the next day or happens three days later or something like that. Sometimes it happens right then. So I, I'm in that crazy realm of of faith. I'm yeah, I'll go for it. You, You want God to give you a new leg? Yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll do it right now. And if you want, put the, put the camera on me. I don't care. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I'm just going to do what the word says to do. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Praise God. But you have to understand to see that type of a miracle manifestation that, that necessarily that type of a miracle, like a leg coming out. That's not a gift of healing that my friends, and, and technically in the Greek, it's gifts. It's plural gifts of healings. Okay. But that's not even technically what that is. That requires something different. What does that require? The gift of working of miracles. And I'll give you an example. I was, I was in a conference one time. There was a bunch of ministers and uh, the host minister saw a sick person. Uh, he technically wasn't sick. He had a major medical situation. But that host minister was all excited. He said, there's enough power in here. There's enough power for that man to be healed. Come on up here. And they brought him up there. And, uh, and the host said, now all of you other ministers, come up here. We're going to pray for this man. God's going to heal him. And I thought, oh, I don't want to go up there because why? Because nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. But oh, no, we're all going to lay hands on him and God's going to do it. And I just out of being nice, you know, I just kind of went up there, but I wasn't like praying and all that. I just kind of went up there and stood there while the host and all the others were really praying. Oh God, do it, do it now, do it now. Take it, take it, brother, take it. And in front of thousands of people, absolutely nothing happened. Why pastor Stephen? when God says that you shall lay hands on the sick, they'll recover and all this and all that. Because what the guy didn't need was a healing. The guy needed a miracle. And if there's not a manifestation of the Holy spirit of working of miracles in special faith, ain't nothing going to happen. Praise God. Now I can sense when that anointing does start coming in and then, yeah, if that, if that empowerment there then, yeah, then you ride that anointing. You go for it. And that's, that's what was going on in Azusa Street. That's what was going on in Acts chapter 5. <laughs> Woo! And when the going's go, good, you jump in. And you jump in the water and you swim. And you get what you need and you have fun. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh wait, wait, Pastor Stephen. I know. I know where I would send a person. I would send them to the Catherine Kuhlman meeting. That's what I would do. Well, she, she died a long time ago. Oh well, okay, that's true. We can't we can't send her to her meeting either. She had she had some wild meetings, not just some really good healings. She actually had some very spectacular miracles where the just the power of God would erupt. That's beautiful. Praise God. Glory to God. So what do we do? What do we do when Jesus gives the fivefold ministry office gifts and when the anointing's there, powerful, beautiful things happen. But then also, we have moves of the Spirit where great power is released. But then it's like the ocean the tide comes in and the tide goes out. It reminds me of Azusa Street after it was over. About 20 years after it was over, and trust me, when it was over, it was over. About 20 years after it was over, There was a man that said, we've got to get back to that original anointing. We have got to get back to the power of Pentecostal power of God that was released in Azusa street. And he lived his life out and died and never got back into it. And I remember when we rolled around to the 100-year anniversary. Yes, this is it. God is going to release the power again. Everybody get ready. And I, uh, no, it didn't happen. Because <laughs> you can't push a button and make the Holy Spirit just start jumping and doing it. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Obviously, it didn't because it's not, it didn't happen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Now, now, before we explore path number two, and trust me, it won't take as long as path number one. Before we do that, I want you to know that God is going to send a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And yeah, you are going to be in these full blown meetings of God where the power is just vibrating through you to a point you're you're going to probably feel like you're about to explode where every sickness will, if it's still there, will be driven out of your body where the glory will be so intense. You might sit there and vibrate the whole time. Praise God. Mm -mm. You're you're going to have that. You're going to have that. And the glory is going to come. Pray. It is it'll be a very mighty global moving of the Holy Spirit global moving of the Holy spirit. Praise God. And yes, I'm looking forward to that. And God, once again, will be working through the five fold ministry offices and he's still working today. I mean, I'm standing in one here, ministering to you, doing my thing. (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. But what, what do we do when maybe we catch Peter at a low time and Paul has reprimanded him and has spoken the truth to him in love, but Peter's not really wanting to throw a shadow over on anybody right now. He just wants to go sit down and maybe disappear for a couple of weeks. What do we do when the Azusa street revival is not raging? What do we do when the fifties healing revival is long gone and everybody that was in it is now and in their heavenly reward. What do we do when some of the great saints who displayed mighty signs and wonders, Sometimes almost accidentally, it seemed like, such as people like St. Padre Pio and many others. What do we do when they're not on the scene? What do you do when you can't grab the blind person and say, I'll take you here. I'll take you to this meeting. I'll take you to this man or woman of God. And I prefaced that with saying, we're always still here to pray for you. And yes, there is an anointing. And I've seen great, great anointings. I've seen God do great things. But can I say we're in a high water moment, all out move of God right now? No, I can't say that. <laughs> and you know, we're, and you know, we're not there. Praise God. Hallelujah. I will say this when it does come, uh, all the brass that's in the church today, all the huff and puff and all of the uh, silly entertainment and all of the things that have been done t- as a f- artificial replacement for the glory, that stuff is going to look so cheap and so stupid that um, people are actually going to be mad at themselves for having been duped and sold such junk food in light of the true heavenly outpouring praise God. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now that's why I'm always going to be a Pentecostal full gospel Bible, believing tongue talking demon casting outing laying hands on the sick preacher. Praise God. Hallelujah. But what do you do if you can't get to the man of God or you can't bring a person there or maybe, maybe in a global corporate sense, the tide has gone out and there's like an interim. Can I show you path number two? Because path number one is ordained by God and many have received from God that way. Many but then again, you we, we looked at examples where a lot of other people didn't get it. While some did, others didn't. And while people got healed in that meeting with Peter on that day, I don't know if you'd have got some other meetings if it had been that high. That I don't know if this, the anointing would have been that high. Mm, mm, mm. What do you do? What do you do, Pastor Stephen? Is there any other way? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. And that's what I'm here to teach you about now, standing in a Fivefold Ministry Office. I would like to teach you that there are two paths to victory. One is by receiving the blessing that Christ has established through the five ministry offices. And if you don't have that in your life, there will be something grotesquely deformed in your life without the fivefold ministry. Your soul will be extremely distorted and warped. You need the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Now, in the interim, should there be something that you need from God that perhaps it's not really popping in the church? Let's say you, let's say you, you had a leg that was cut off. You went to the sawmill. you're having a nice day and you pushed the, the piece of wood through, but somehow you, you didn't wear the proper clothing and it snagged your pants and the machine pulled you into. And before you could stop it, whoosh, the saw took one of your legs off. What do you do? Can you go to your pastor and say, pray that God put this back on (laughs) in a certain kind of meeting? Yeah, you could. When the glory is real high and it's just, and there's a powerful corporate faith and the spirit's being poured out. yeah, Yeah. Yes, you could. Absolutely. Get that person there. Get that person into that meeting. But in everyday type function, you might not be able to find a place where that particular need uh, 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 how can I say In an impossible need can be met like that through that normal mode that, you know, operates daily. So this is what I would say. You can still get God to do for you anything you want. If you'll still one-on-one, just you and God, if you'll go before him and worship him and take him at his word and just bless him and worship Him and praise him and worship him, and stand on that word. He'll put a new leg back on your body. He'll put ISA he'll put eyes in an empty socket. He'll put new eardrums into ears that had the eardrums blown out. Hallelujah. He'll put a new kidney into your body if the current one is not working and not filtering properly. He'll give you a new heart. If your heart is defective or something is wrong with, with it. But this is, for example, let's say you need, you need something like that for your body. This is how you would do it. Now I'm talking about path number two. And it doesn't take me nearly as long to explain it. But the price tag on this one is something that you as an individual pay. And the price is that of your steadfastness. And your willingness to do it every day. Now, for example, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Let's say there's something wrong with your body. You take verse 24, referring to Jesus, it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So we know that on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And when you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, you now have forgiveness of sins, and now you have a walk with God where that blood will cleanse you of all of your sins. If you if you blow it, mess up, just ask God to forgive you and you're, you know, on you go because it'll wash it away. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And let's say that you need a miracle in your body. You can take First Peter chapter two, verse 24. And you could say, Lord, I, I, I need a miracle and I'm going to dedicate, I'm going to dedicate maybe an hour, two hours every night when I come home from work and after the kids are put in bed, I'm going to take two hours and I'm not going to watch the news or do that other stuff. I'm going to take two hours and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you and I'm going to stand on your word and I'm going to believe your word and I'm just going to walk around. You could have like maybe a coffee table or maybe just something in the middle of your room and just say, Lord, I'm going to walk around for two hours. I'm going to do nothing but praise you and worship you. For example, let's say this is like your room and you could say, Lord, out for two hours, I'm going to do this every day until this is manifested in my life. And you just say, Jesus, I thank you that by your stripes, that you took from me when they whipped your back and plowed your back open. That in those stripes, my sickness was placed in there. Cancer was My cancer was placed in those stripes. And because you bore it for me, I don't have to have it. And by your stripes, I was healed. So I take you at your word. I stand on the finished work of what you carried out for me and I receive it and I thank you that cancer cannot stay in my body cancer get out of my body in the name of Jesus get out of my body in the name of Jesus Jesus I praise you that you have healed me from cancer Jesus by your stripes I'm healed and you just do that let's say you do it for like two hours or an hour or two hours and you do it every night Jesus I'm back just to worship you again the next night Jesus I'm back and Jesus I just thank you that you told your people under the old covenant that if they would worship you and keep your commandments that you would take sickness and disease away from their midst and they would walk in health and I thank you Jesus that health and healing are also in the new covenant and it belongs to me and this sickness can't stay on me this infirmity cannot stay in my body get out of me in the name of Jesus you foul sickness I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus Lord I praise you and you just keep on doing that for about an hour and another hour 50 minutes Jesus I praise you I worship you you're my healer you're my healer Jesus right here in this room you can cause this leg to grow back out Jesus right here in this room you can cause my foot to come back out praise God (laughs) and you can get your miracle even if you can never get to the man of God Oh, oh, but wait, wait, Pastor Stephen, if we could just get that person to Smith Wigglesworth, they would be healed. And it is true? True story. There's a man in Smith Wigglesworth's meeting. No feet. No feet. Nothing from the ankle down. No feet. No feet at all. Smith Wigglesworth said, "What do you want?" He said, "I want two feet. I want two feet." Wigglesworth prayed for him. He prayed for those stubs that ended at the end down there at the bottom by the ankle, laid hands and prayed all over those stubs and said, in the name of Jesus, I command two feet to come out. And he looked at the young man. The man said, I believe I receive it. Wigglesworth basically said, good. He said, go buy a pair of shoes. Mm-mm. So the guy gets in his wheelchair, goes down to a, uh, like a men's shoe store rolls into the place in his wheelchair. And uh, the salesman looked at him and said, what do you, what would you like? And you know, they both kind of looked down at the same time at the stubs. The man said, I'd like a pair of dress shoes. And the salesman said, looking at the, you know, no feet. The salesman said, what color? (laughs) The man in the wheelchair wheelchair said Black size 10 and a half. The guy goes to the back, brings out a box, black dress shoes, size 10 and a half, opens the box, kneels down, and boom, two feet pop out completely, fully formed. Yes, Pastor Stephen, we've got to get that person in the Smith Wigglesworth meeting. He's a ministry office gift of the apostle. Yep. And he died a long time ago. Well, Pastor, Chief, that path is closed. That path is closed. No, there's still very anointed vessels in the earth today. Hallelujah! And I'm happy to pray for anything. I'll go for it. Doesn't matter what it is. I'll pray for anything, especially when that anointing's there. Mm, mm, mm. But my friends, what if you're on your own? What if, what if you're in a city or town and I mean, it's just, it's nowhere around. It's nowhere around. No, what if no church in your area even believes in that or thinks it's silly? What are you going to do? Are you abandoned by God? Of course not. You take the second path. The second path also is a proven path to victory. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I praise you. I thank you, Jesus, that the devil can't kill me. By your stripes, I have been healed. I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the glory of God. And you do it every night, every night, every night. Jesus, I'm here to worship you. You're my healer. Even with symptoms raging, you do it every night. Well, Pastor Stephen, what if you don't have a leg? You get in your wheelchair, and you push that wheelchair, and you roll your wheelchair, roll yourself around that table. Jesus, I praise you. You're giving me a new leg. I receive my new leg. Jesus, I thank you for my new leg. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm going to dance in church. Praise God. Mm -mm. And if you do that, and you stand on the Word, and you do that, and you stand on the Word, and you worship God, worship God, and pour it on, and pour it on. And you obey those principles of Luke chapter 18, where you don't faint, you don't quit, you keep on going, and you you show up every time, show up every time. I don't know when, maybe six months, maybe 18 months. I don't know. Usually it doesn't take that long. But there will come a point where God will come in, and he will do whatever you want him to do. Mm, mm, mm. woo Think about that. Think about that. Think about that. God has a building in heaven that's bigger than every Amazon warehouse on earth. It's bigger than every Amazon warehouse. It's bigger than every uh, uh, UPS FedEx building. Take them all, put them all together. It's bigger than every one of them, bigger than the Pentagon, bigger than all that stuff. The building is so big that it has backup, reserved, genuine, authentic, certified body parts for every single person on the planet. So that if you have one damaged or tore up or messed up or cut off or ripped off or whatever, God's got one for you in that heavenly warehouse. And he's happy to have an angel send you one. If you'll show up, Lord, I praise you. It doesn't matter when you do it, maybe eight o'clock to 10 o'clock at night, maybe three o'clock to five o'clock in the morning, Jesus, I thank you for my new leg or Jesus. I thank you for a new hearing ear or Jesus. I'm blind, but I thank you Lord for my eyes. That's where you take the blind man to. You take him to the word and say, look, hey, maybe the tide's out right now. We're not in epic revival, but that doesn't mean that you're stranded. God will do a miracle for you right where you're at. If you'll just believe him. Well, I want somebody else to do it for me. Okay, let's wait another hundred years for Azusa Street. Well, I'm going to be dead by then. Yep, you sure will. So why not go with this proven method? You'll never, you'll never be in a place where God can't get to you. Amen. And if God has to, I mean, he's still got his Elijah's, his Elisha's, you know, he got Naaman with leprosy and eating up body parts and, you know, horrible looking skin disfigurement. And he leaves, he leaves from having an encounter with God's prophet. As an old man, he leaves with brand new skin, like a child. Mm -hmm. God will do anything you want him to do. If you'll just worship him, he can do it through the prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He could also do it right there in your room. Just you and him worshiping the Lord. Jesus. I praise you. Jesus. I praise you. Well, pastor, I I do that for an hour and a half. That, that means I'm going to end up walking around this thing. Probably about, about 500 times. Yep. Probably about 573 times. If you're to count, yep, or, or roll it in your wheelchair, whatever. It's just a matter if you really want it, praise God. But if you'll cry out day and night, cry out day and night, God, you're my healer. You're my miracle worker. You're giving me a leg, Lord. You've got a leg for me in heaven. And that leg is coming down. The angels are bringing my leg. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I'm going to kick the devil with it. <laughs> Woo. Soon as it pops out, I'll slap him for now. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil rob you of your inheritance and your blessing that Christ shed his blood for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, before Jesus comes back to take the church home with him, and then the Antichrist, they can do whatever we want. They'll, they'll, we're going to be gone. It's going to be a mess. Okay. When he wants to go around doing all of his uh, one world government, locking everybody down, and doing all of his pathetic, horrible, unmentionable horrors, horrors that he's going to do will be gone. But let me say this before the Lord takes the church up to meet him in the air, in the clouds, let me say he's going to do a transformation beauty job and the church that will go up is going to be the glorified church. And I say that you're going to be looking mighty good. Praise God. So I would just say, lift your hands and worship God and receive whatever you need by faith and be persistent like the widow woman cry out day and night. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I'm back before your throne again. There's a lot of good programs on TV. There's a lot of things I could be watching on the internet right now, but Jesus, I'm here to worship you because you're worthy. And I thank you for my new leg. I thank you for my new lungs. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whatever it might be, whatever it might be, financial miracle, whatever it might be. Hallelujah, God! I thank you for my home. God, I thank you for a car. Lord, you know I, I'm believing you for a car. I praise you every night for a car. Praise God, and just pour it on, pour it on. But I'm, I'm mainly talking about the real hard stuff. God, my child has autism. God, my child has Down syndrome. God, I have I have disfigurement. God, I had you know I was in a car wreck and I've got body parts missing now. God, God can fix all of that. He can fix all of it. Mm. Yes, yes, Pastor Stephen, we're going to get to that meeting. We're going to get prayed for. He can do it that way. He established that way. He ordained that way. He gave those gifts as he ascended. He released those gifts. He still gives them today. But I'm just saying they're both, they're both paths that are proven for victory. But what I'm trying to tell you is that this one, this one though is one that. Where you don't have to have a lot of variables line up. <laughs> the only thing that's got to line up is you. But you see what I'm saying? Hmm. Hmm. Woo. Woo. Now we all need to come together and charge the atmosphere. Well, it's just you. You charge it. It's just you and the Lord in your, in your room. How, how complicated is this? <laughs> right. <laughs> woo. Woo. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But if you do that, just worship the Lord. Just do that. Praising praise him. Pastor Steve, what do I do, what do I do after 30 minutes. Well, I forget. Well, I run out of things to do. Oh, no, just keep praising him and worshiping and praying the spirit, pray in English and tell him how good he is. Mm-mm-mm. There'll be times where you probably feel very tired, very fatigued. There might be other times where you, you don't really have any good feelings. Maybe they're just, maybe you're still uh, dealing with symptoms, but you know what? Just do it. Just do it. And you'll find that s- symptoms will start to leave there will come a point. Also, you're starting to realize, hmm, something's going on here. And the miracle can be sudden or the miracle can be gradual. I've heard of people have body parts grow back out, legs grow back out, fingers grow back out, but grow slowly, but just grow out. Uh, it, now, uh, a doctor's going to tell you that can't happen. They'll, now, they'll tell you it can happen with a lizard with his tail. The lizard's tail can fall off and the new, he doesn't care. Uh, a new tail's going to grow out. But they'll tell you uh, that doesn't happen for people. But God... God can give you. He can give you a new foot, new nose, do whatever you need. Mm-mm. Can God work through the ministry gifts? Yeah, we can get it to you also, one on one. There's a, a pastor in Long Beach, California. A lady, she was ministering in, um, uh, I think it was like um, South Pacific, South Pacific Islands, and she was praying for sick people. She goes on, she's going down the line, praying for people, anointed by the Holy Spirit. And she gets to one lady and, uh, uh the Holy Spirit just impr- impressed upon the minister to have the, had the person in the prayer line, stick their tongue out. So the minister said, stick out your tongue. And the lady, well, kind of like that didn't do it. And so it made the minister mad. She said, I told you, stick out your tongue. And the lady st- stuck her tongue out. And the minister found out after the service, when the service was over, she found out by the pastor and everybody else in the building, the lady didn't have a tongue. She was born without a tongue. (laughs) She got one now. Praise the Lord. Yes, I need to get in that meeting, Pastor Stephen. Well, that meeting was on in the South Pacific. It's going to take a long ways to get there. And maybe that minister won't be there. But you can get anything you need from God right where you're at. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, I've been having a little covert discouragement. Everything's been shut down, and I've just kind of locked up. Whoa, you locked up with God? That sounds like a setup, something that you could use to your advantage. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now that need a miracle. You have revealed two paths. They are both ordained by you. And Father, there's a special, there's just a, it's like a highlight. Yeah, you're always blessed a five-fold ministry established by your son. And Father, there's this other path that so many of your people don't know about. But it requires unwavering faith, persistence. But if your people, Father, will, will take this second path, it's bulletproof. And in some ways, easier. Father, we thank you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you, father. Amen. I'm telling you, uh, if you don't know a Peter's shadow to take your, t- uh, cot or tent or, or bed and pitch it at, uh, you really need to consider this second option that I've shared with you because you can get anything. You can have anything you want from God. If you just worship him, thank him in advance, honor his word and you show up. Every day, show up every day at this designated time. Do it for an hour, maybe 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. If it's, if it's life threatening. Yeah, maybe two hours. Mm-hmm. Pastor and I'll probably get tired. Yeah, you, you probably will. Praise God. But you can have a miracle. You can have anything you want. And that warehouse is wide open. God will have an angel go get that body part and give it to you. It doesn't matter what you need. God can do it for you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Well, if you're watching today and you don't have a personal relationship with this mighty miracle working God who created you, who created humanity, then today you can know God as your father by receiving salvation through his son, whose name is Jesus. If you would like to get your life right with God, pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. I give my life completely to you and I repent of all of my sins. Jesus save me now. Write my name in your book of life. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. And he's heard that prayer and he saved you and you know he has praise the Lord rejoice in the Lord. Now. As a church family, let's take holy communion together. And as we do, think about that thing that you want. Think about that, that great desire, that miracle that you need, that it takes God. Mm -mm. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. Think about paying the cost of committing to honoring the Lord and seeking him day and night like that. Grab some unleavened bread, grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We consecrate it. We set it apart as holy. We thank you. This is now the flesh and the blood of Christ, our Savior. So, Father, as we receive his flesh, his body, we thank you that you're a miracle working God. And that you're not withholding anything from us. That you want us to have it. But we must seek you and meet you on your terms and conditions. And those terms and conditions are surrounded by consistency, fervency, crying out, worship, and showing up to honor you, to receive your best. Now, Father, we thank you. We believe you're going to do it. and We thank you for great miracle testimonies. In Jesus' name, let's receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. 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 You know, let me say that very special anointings, very special giftings upon the servants of the Lord, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, very special anointings, yeah, they're rare. They're, they're special gifts. You you better believe they are. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It's not like it's on every block. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm. And my friends honor the ministry gift that God has placed in your life and the ministry gifts. God has placed in the earth. Anytime, anytime you, you come across like a special, like maybe you would just say I I, I bumped into so-and-so that's a very, very anointed servant of the Lord. You know, show honor, praise God, praise the Lord, show honor, praise the Lord, because they are gifts, praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness of sins, cleansing from all sin and all unrighteousness. We pray, Father, that you would forgive us of our sins. We forgive anybody that sinned against us. We forgive them and we go on. We ask that you would lead us away from temptation. We ask that you would deliver us from the evil one. And we thank you that you will, that you'll protect us and keep us safe and that you'll strengthen us. Thank you father for the cleansing blood of Jesus. Thank you for the great glory that's coming waves and waves of mighty glory of creative miracles and that warehouse that warehouse having a lot of parts taken out. But Father, we thank you that we also, we have another option. And we're always going to work that as well. Thank you. Thank you for your wisdom of your word. We give you praise. We receive the blood of Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Somebody's being delivered right now from Addiction to cigarettes. You you do know nicotine is poison. The devil wants you to kill yourself. Self-inflicted death. But God's power is there to deliver you right now. The fact you lift your hands. I break the addiction to nicotine. And through the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. I release you right now from that hold of wickedness and iniquity. Be free in the name of Jesus. You go free now. Praise God and remove that stuff from your possession. Remove all products of tobacco from your possession. Glory, 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 hallelujah. Do not toy with alcohol. You're playing with a demon. You're playing with a monster. Get it all out of your house. Wine, beer, whiskey, liquor, Get it out of your house. and Don't give it to your neighbor. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It is a door into demonic activity. Praise God. Praise God. Father, I speak blessing over your people. Blessing. And I thank you, Father God. I thank you, Father God, that your people are going to seek you. Just like the widow woman did before the unjust judge, crying out day and night. And Lord, she got an answer. She got exactly what she wanted. And Jesus said, how much more? Well, your heavenly father move upon your behalf. I thank you, father, for the mighty works you're going to do for your people. As they cry out to you, we give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you as you enjoy walking on both paths. May the Holy Spirit bless you in Jesus' name. See you back next time.